Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, my gardening friends, to another Focal Point Friday episode. These quickie episodes are either an important highlight from a previous episode or a quick focus on a current event in the food and agricultural world that I think that we should be talking about. Think of these episodes as a way to tickle your brain with one or two ideas to ponder while you're planning or planting or digging in the garden this weekend. Without further ado, let's get down and dirty. Enjoy! On this Focal Point Friday, I want to address a few things from the last few episodes since I've been getting a lot of feedback and a lot of questions. So regarding sunflowers... I was asked what to do with the sunflowers or any other plant being used for phytoremediation once they're done pulling the metal or the other contaminants from the soil. And this is a great question. The short answer is it depends. If we're doing this in our home gardens, the likely answer is that we need to pull those plants and dispose of them as hazardous waste. You do not want to be composting that plant because it likely is just going to release those contaminants back into the soil and burning it would release it into the air. So if you're using plants to remediate your soil in your own garden, you'll be pulling those plants at the end of the growing season, bagging them, tagging them as hazmat, and then taking them to the landfill. Now, I said the likely answer because this all depends on what you're trying to pull from the soil and what plant you're using to do it. Depending on the pollutant and the plant, there are three possible scenarios of what the plant does with those contaminants once they're pulled from the soil. It's either stored in the roots, the shoots, or the leaves of the plant, metabolized into less harmful substances that stay in the plant, or metabolized into gases that are released into the air as the plant transpires. So when phytoremediation is done on a professional level or a governmental one, like through the EPA, they have to figure out what chemicals they're dealing with, the size of the polluted area, and the type of soil. And then they determine which plants can be used to remediate. So if the plant can metabolize those contaminants into a material that is no longer considered a biohazard, the plant can stay in place or actually be composted. If it's a situation, though, where it's toxic metals that are pulled up and and they can't be metabolized, the plants can actually be smelted for recovery and recycling of the metals. And then if that's not an option, the plants are just disposed of as toxic waste. Fascinating, though, right? Now, in the episode about filling new raised beds, we talked a little bit about how commercial compost can be biologically inactive when you get it, based on what temperatures that compost was created, and it would need to be inoculated with microbes and bacteria in order to be able to deliver the nutrients effectively to your plants. 
I want to advise you that if you can talk with your compost supplier and find out exactly what temperature range they're composting at and for how long, and what their compost is comprised of, you might be able to find a supplier that is composting at a lower temperature. I was sent a report by one of my students from the compost company closest to her, and it very clearly stated the temperature range they used, the ingredients in the compost, and the nutrient breakdown of the finished product. And guess what? The compost they produce doesn't contain any yard waste, so there isn't a need for them to be composting at the much higher temperatures required to render pesticide residue harmless. It's just wood chips and the vegetable byproducts from a local dog food company. So they're composting at a lower temperature and holding that temperature for a longer period of time in order to break down the ingredients. And that temperature doesn't exceed 130 Fahrenheit. Remember, we said temperatures of over 149 Fahrenheit are what are responsible for killing off those beneficial microbes. And their finished product is tested for stability to be sure that the composting process is actually finished. Plus, it's tested for the presence of human pathogens. Now, this company also sells a bedding mix that contains pulverized topsoil and sand in combination with their compost as a ready-to-use solution. This is golden. Would I use this product? Yes, I would use this as the top six-inch layer of my new raised beds. I would still add some worm castings or some native soil or something to inoculate to what it's in my yard, but that's just me, and it really wouldn't be necessary in this case. So if you can find a company near you that is doing things this way, then forget everything I said about commercial compost. Go ahead and use it right away. That stuff is gold. And the final thing I wanted to note was about last week's Focal Point Friday episode about using manure in the garden. I got a bunch of panicked messages from people asking what to do if they've already used uncomposted or unaged manure in their gardens and are ready to get their gardens going for the season. This is going to depend on a number of factors. How long has that manure been sitting what is it mixed with? And what are you planting? Remember, if the manure was mixed with some of your garden soil and it's been sitting for at least four months, that's going to help the microorganisms in your soil to clear out any of those human pathogens that we're worried about. So if you added it in the fall and you're getting ready to plant now, you should be fine. You may want to avoid root crops until that at least the six-month mark, but I wouldn't hesitate to plant above ground crops into that. If, however, it's been added more recently than that, or it wasn't mixed with any soil, it was just dumped on top of an existing bed, then you need to worry about how to use that bed. My recommendation would be to turn all that manure down underneath the soil that's already existing in the bed and just be sure that you have a six-inch barrier between what you're growing and that manure. If you can manage to pull the majority of it back off the beds and mix the remaining bits down in and allow that manure to age off to the side somewhere, then great. You just don't want the plants coming into contact with raw manure or anything that's been aging in that bed for less than four months. And again, this is with any manure other than rabbit. Rabbit is perfectly fine to use right away, as is, so your plants will be safe and so will you. 
Thanks for joining me on this Focal Point Friday. I'll be back again on Tuesday for another regular episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. So until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and we'll talk again soon.